0: If you have your Bibles this morning, we are going to be somebody, anybody, guess. Yeah. Hey, and check this out. This is the last Sunday in Romans. I promise. No, nothing up my sleeve. I roll them up anyways, right? I couldn't hide anything. Go to Romans 15 with me, and you say, TJ, there, there are a lot of words between the beginning of 15 and the end of 16. How in the world are we going to do this? Well, um, at a brisk pace. I want to pray for you, and pray over the Word, and then we are, we're just going to get after it this morning. And, and it's really, I'm really excited about this piece of Scripture. And I do want to say this before we pray, I really, really appreciate, I feel like the last year, um, la- it was actually next Sunday, a year ago, that together we launched into the Book of Romans. If you remember, we uh, we got up on a Sunday morning, and we said, hey, we're going to... Uh, tackle this book that is full of theological questions and wrestlings and some really hard lines, right? The book of Romans just drew. Does anybody remember those Sundays where everybody was kind of on pins and needles, including the guy that was talking a lot, right? And we, we just kind of kind of pressed through the book of Romans. And I, I really believe, and I'll say this from my own personal life, um, God has used this book to grow me. God has used this book to stretch me. God has used this book uh, to remind me of his infinite grace and incredible love for me, and that he has something to say. I think so often we, we come to church and we go through the motions and we do our thing, and we forget sometimes that God really does have something to say to his people, that every day that you wake up, every day that there's, your, there's breath in your lungs, God has something to say to you. Even if it's days of silence, and you say, well, how's he speaking in the silent? I don't know, follow him long enough and you just kind of figure out. He's even talking to you through the silence, as weird as that sounds. But I want to say thank you for real. Those of you that have with me, I mean, we have walked through some hard stuff. Some, I mean, I've got texts over the last year when we've been walking through Romans, whether it be uh, a, moral, a moral situation or a theological question and, 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 man, there, there have been wrestlings and questions, and, and I, I really believe, I look out at a congregation, and I believe that we are stronger together. I believe that we are uh, a bit more educated in the gospel, and not because I'm, I'm, I'm the one talking, but because I really believe that God has used this book, and he's going to continue to use it in our church and the whole Bible, obviously. But, but uh, I'm rambling because I feel like I'm about to depart from a good friend we've been with the whole year. Okay, let's pray. Jesus. You're the greatest of all time. You never change, you never waver, you never fail, you never back down. And God, in your infinite goodness, I just ask you this morning to, to breathe on our time together, God, to allow your Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts that we can't do for ourselves. Allow your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the scripture in a way that we can't do ourselves, God. I pray that you allow your Holy Spirit to, to move in our minds, God, in our intellect, to allow us to comprehend in a way that we can't ourselves, Lord. And God, help us to be humble this morning, to believe all those things that have been prayed, God, because we can't see it without your help. We can't feel it without your help. We can't hear it without your help. God, we have to have you this morning. God, and as the guy that's going to open this word and just talk, I pray you hide me behind the cross, Jesus. I pray this morning, God, that your, your presence, God, your value, your worth, God, which is infinite, would be known in this place, God. And as we, as we walk through, God, more like really run through these next two chapters, God, I pray that truths would just bounce off the page and they would latch themselves to our heart. And God, when we get done today, God, I pray that we can all delight in you and love you for who you are over and over and over again. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, Romans 15. And this is, this is if I had to title, I'm not a big title guy. Um, I've said it before, Zane comes to me every Sunday morning. He's like, all right, what's, what's the title we're going to put on the website this week? And I'm like, Romans 15, 1 through you know, 12. I don't really have titles. But this morning, uh, if you want to title your notes, if you're taking notes, um, we could just title this Closing the Book I would come to the end of Paul's letter and just to give you some background I do want to let you know kind of his framework and his mind at the time Paul was writing a letter at a time where someone, he was actually transcribing it to someone. Like he, he well, he was saying it and someone was pinning it down for him. Um, he was in Corinth. He was writing to the Romans. He was anxious and could not wait to get there to see them. And this is his last thing. This is kind of his farewell. And I, and I think about the closing of a letter. Kind of like the closing of a love letter. If there there was one thing that you wanted to put in the letter, if you you wanted there to be punctuation, and and obviously this whole thing was read at one time. It wasn't stretched over a whole year. So this was read in one sitting. It was one letter with no chapters and no verses. This was Paul's heart letter to his people. And there are a few things that he mentions that I believe have been the theme and the thrust throughout the whole book. So we're going to hit on those. Listen, we begin in verse one, and I'll just read it for you. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days, listen to this, and this is where we're going to key on a few. We're going to key in on. A, few of the things that we're going to focus on today. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Somebody say this, somebody say, in former days, we're going to, we're going to work together this morning. In former days, was written for our instruction. Listen, he goes on. You don't have to repeat after me anymore. I just wanted to get you in here with me this morning. All right. And through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. This is really cool. Now, listen, I'm going to bounce around. So if I go fast this morning, they record it. So if you're like, oh, man, I missed that. Like, if you want to just listen this morning and you're like, man, I want to go back and get that note or that phrase or something, feel free to do that because I am going to go fast. Listen, number one, the Word. Paul reminds us again. When he's closing his letter, he says, listen, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Again, all the way at the end. It's the theme throughout the whole book of Romans. And if, if we could, there could be one nugget that we could say, man, this was really important to Paul through, man, he really wanted to get this through to our head, is that the word of God is Priority whether it be in business, whether it be in family, whether it be in relationships, whether it be in our schoolwork, where, no matter what it is, the Word of God is priority. You say, TJ, are you sure? Check this out. Now, I'm going to jump and go fast, so just bear with me. He uses the Word of God for encouragement, for endurance, and for instruction. This is so cool what Paul does, and we, we would miss this if we jumped past it. In 1510, he says this, and again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. 15.11 says this. Check this out. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. Verse 12 says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope. Check this out. We would totally miss this. I missed it. 10, 11 and 12. Paul quotes in his letter, Deuteronomy, Psalm 117. Well, let me say, if you're taking notes, Deuteronomy 32, 43, Psalm 117, 1, and Isaiah 11, 10. Listen, in the Jewish Bible, okay, in, in, in their canon at that time, their writings were called three things. Some would d- divide it into two, but I- in a lot of circles, it's three. The law, the writings, and the prophets. So the law, you had the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote, which was called the the Pentateuch, right? Like Moses wrote this first five books of the Bible, and then you had the writings, which you would have the Psalms and Proverbs, and then you had the prophets, which was Isaiah, Jeremiah, those kind of guys, right? So check this out. I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul, when in the beginning he's saying, hey, let's not abandon the instruction that was written to us. He quotes... From every section of the Jewish Bible that would have been important to them, he picks a passage from every single section from the law, from the writing, and from the prophets. You know what he's saying? Hey, the whole Bible is priority. Can I give us warning this morning? I believe it's another it's another pushback from Paul against people who would like to take this verse or that verse or this section of the Bible or this testament and that testament and throw out the other stuff to benefit their own good. You hear me this morning? Paul, Paul again, in, in a last effort is saying, hey, the whole Bible is important. I've, I've written to you, I've quoted from you, I know, this is what Paul was saying, not me, Paul was saying, I know the writings. I know the law, and I know the prophets. He was pouring into people that he loved the most valuable thing that he had, and it was the Word of God. I want to encourage you from the letter of Paul this morning, make the, pro- make the Word of God a priority in your life. You hear me this morning? Make the Word of God a priority. Listen, it is our encouragement it is, our, it is a thing that we cling to when, when the nights get really, really, really dark. It's the one thing that we can run to that will never budge. Like the verse never changes that says, He makes all things work together for the good to them that love me and are called according to His purpose. I've quoted that a million times, and it's never changed. Life gets, man, we, we hit the highest of highs sometimes and the lowest of lows, and we walk through really dark valleys, but one thing remains, and that's the Word of God. Make it a priority in your life. Make it a priority in your life. <laughs> Paul establishes his own love for the word and encouragement for us to know it and to love it. I want to ask you two things this morning. Do you know the word of God? I mean, this was convicting. Can I just be honest? It was convicting to me going through this piece of the sermon because I begin to think about a lot of times if there's one thing I neglect, it'll be the word. Can I just be transparent with you? Like I, I spent, I was a preacher who went to a public school, who everybody knew, and I had a lot of friends, but I didn't really do anything on the weekends, if you catch my drift, right? I went to a public school, and I didn't, I didn't have many Christian friends, and everybody did their thing, and, and they were like, TJ, we, you know, we like you, but we know you're not going to have fun, so we're not inviting you. I mean, that was the phrase I got all the time. Hey, ma'am, we're going to hang out Friday night. You want to go fishing Saturday? I know you don't want to come Friday. So, so there's a season of my life where I just poured into the Word, and I, I got to know it I feel like I got to know it pretty well. And if there's an area in my own life that I slack sometimes, it's digging in and diving into the only thing that will breathe life into me, the only thing that will give me real instruction. So I want to ask you, because it convicted me, right? I'm confessing to you today. If there's one thing that I'm like, oh, man, I'm a little tired, I can, man, I'll catch up tomorrow, right? And I'm not dropping some legalism on you. Don't feel that. I'm not not condemning anybody if you're like, man, I had not read my Bible in a month it's okay, it says the same thing it did a month ago just go back and read it right? he loves you, he wants you in his word because he wants you to know him right? make the whole Bible a priority don't just pick the verses that are comfortable don't just pick the verses that make you feel good I wouldn't recommend reading Jeremiah by yourself, you know, on vacation or something if you ever read Jeremiah, it's kind of a gloomy book but make it a priority. Dig into some of the prophets, some of the writings that you may not know or be familiar with. Nehemiah, Ezra, right? Habakkuk, whatever you want to call it. Habakkuk, dig in, right? Make the word a priority. I'm going to move on, I promise. Number two, I want you to hear this because this is really, really cool. If we can move down, in which I'll read through fast, and I'm going to stop at 13. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I quoted you, those read the scriptures to you that Paul was quoting. Let's jump to 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is very, very important that we grab right here. Paul loves the word. He values the Word. The Word is His foundation and the Word is primary. But let me be very, very, very clear with you this morning. If the Word is divorced from the Holy Spirit, you have a letter that will kill. I really want you to hear this this morning. There are tyrants who have taken pieces of the Bible. Dictators who have ruled with fear and with murders and with genocide who picked up this book took it out of context, divorced from the Spirit, and carried out gruesome acts. Paul loves the Word, but I want you to hear this in your own life. The Word has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is necessary for life. The Holy Spirit is necessary for understanding. I want you to hear this. Understanding truth and interpreting Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.11 For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. I want you to hear that phrase again. 1 Corinthians No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Well, when we get saved, does anybody know what happens? We get filled with what? The Holy Spirit. So now once we're redeemed and transformed and regenerated, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The Holy Spirit becomes our interpreter. The Holy Spirit becomes our comforter. The Holy Spirit becomes the one that helps us walk through the Word and breathes life to the book. The book divorced from the Spirit is a book. You hear me this morning? The book divorced From the Spirit of God is a book. It's a book that would condemn. It's a book that could lead astray. You say, Whoa, TJ, whoa, you're, you're, you're no, 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 listen. Divorced from the Spirit, without the Spirit of God breathing life on you as you read this book. It's a book. You say, TJ, I I don't, I don't agree with you. Well, you're going to have to argue against Paul. Have a reunion against Jesus, because it's one more reminder. Listen to me this morning. Listen close. It's one more reminder that our intellect and our understanding and our degrees and our philosophical mindsets and how we can, you know, and we can reason things out—all these things—it's a reminder that none of that matters. But you have to have the Spirit. That's why a six-year-old can come to an understanding that they're lost and they need a Savior. And a 50-year-old with a PhD can say it's hogwash, right? Because the book without the Spirit is a book. But praise God that the Spirit lives in the book. Amen. The Spirit of God comes into us when we're regenerated to discern false teachers. Listen, all this uh, to understand the Word of God, To discern against false teachers, we have to have the Spirit of God living in us. Endurance, sanctification, wisdom, direction, hope, and encouragement all come from the wellspring of the Spirit. Do You hear me this morning? All of it come from the wellspring of the Spirit. You want real wisdom? Cry out to God that you would know His Spirit, that you would know His heart. You want real direction? Cry out to God that He would speak to you, and He will speak through His Word. And don't think for a minute that I just devalued the Word. No, I put it up on a pedestal, a very, very, very high pedestal. Now I put on the same pedestal the Spirit that it works in conjunction with. This morning, if you're struggling reading the Word, if you're you're struggling with direction in life, for real, I'm asking you to cry out to God and say, God, let me know your spirit. I've said it before to you the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. We have access to the spirit of God, we really do. Like we pray and He listens, we speak and He's concerned. And that would not happen without the Holy Spirit. So here are Paul's priorities, and that's what I called them in my notes, so you can jot that down if you want. Number one, the word. Number two, the spirit. Number three, unity. I'm going to read this to you. In verses 5 and 6, I told you I was skipping around. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the reason Paul, again, he's harping on the same things, right? He's bringing this whole letter back to the same place. Number one, grab the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Number two, allow the Spirit of God to breathe life on the Word of God. Number three, be In community. Be in community. Listen, community is a place to heal. The church, lived out biblically the way the church is supposed to be, is a place to heal. It's a place to be confronted. Right? And if I'm stepping to the left or stepping to the right, hopefully the church is a place that one of my brothers in Christ could say, TJ, man, you're slipping hopefully you who come and sit and listen to me, if you saw me slipping, like I'll give you permission, you should be bold enough to say, bro, you're blowing it, man. Get your act together, right? Let's get it together. You say, well, TJ, you're the preacher. We're all preachers. We're all ministers. And none of us in this room are above confrontation for the glory of God. Number two, number three, I'm sorry. So it's a place to heal, a place to be confronted, a place to be educated. Paul wants us to come together in unity because it's a place that we are educated. It's a place that we take the book that's breathed on by the Spirit and we talk about it together. We study it together. We dig in this thing and we pull it apart and we find out what the Greek and the Hebrew mean. We are educated by the book in community. It's a place to serve. And it's a people to call family. I want you to hear that last one. I want you to grab it. Church. Church. The real church is not made with bricks and it's not made with mortar. It's not made with, with wood, it's cement. It's not made with sound systems and singers and instruments. The real church is made up of living, breathing people. And it's a people that we can call family. And that's why Paul, again, and is always pushing, hey, maintain unity. Fight for unity. Fight for unity. Because if the enemy can separate the body, if he can separate the church, man, he can try to derail the mission. Number three, I want you to hear this. Paul says in the end of seven, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God of God and this I believe is the theme of the whole Bible and the theme of Paul's writings and should be the theme of our lives is the glory of God listen second Corinthians 4 6 for God for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ so the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and you want to see the glory do you want to see the glory of God? Look into the face of Jesus. Psalm 19:1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky has proclaimed His handiwork. Listen, this is one of my great authors. He said this, To see it, to savor it, and to show it. That is why we exist. The untracked, unimaginable stretches of the created universe are a parable about the inexhaustible riches of his glory. Paul was passionate about the word, Paul was passionate about unity, Paul was passionate about the spirit, and Paul hinged his life on the glory of God. Paul was gone. It was Jesus living in Paul for the sake of the glory of God that existed when Paul was writing this letter. Oh, oh, that I could say that about my own life, right? Oh, that we could say that about our own life. Man, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh through the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Oh, that, we could, that could be our mantra and our banner, right? I don't live anymore. Christ lives in me. And I live what I do live. I live for the glory of God. Moving on. Last point in this section. Paul is passionate about the glory of God because he loves Jesus. I want you to hear that. If you're taking notes, write this down. Paul is passionate about the glory of God because he loves Jesus. Jesus is mentioned 13 times. Jesus is referred to 13 times just in this one chapter. Whether it be Christ or Jesus Christ the Lord, Jesus Christ the Son of God, he's referred to 13 times just in this chapter. Paul had a love for Jesus Christ because I believe with every pin stroke, Paul remembered the broken man who was on his way to persecute and to kill some more Christians. He was on his way to live out a life filled with depravity and regret and hatred. And every pin stroke, I believe that he remembered the one that he met that day on the road when he was lost and broken and his name was Jesus. Paul had a deep, deep love for Jesus. And he wanted to share that with his readers. He wanted to share that with God's church. He wanted to share that with his people. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. That is Jesus. Paul loved him because he was Christ the example. Check this out. In verse 3, 7, and 8, I told you, don't, don't... Try to look, just listen for a second. 3, 7, and 8. And 3, he says, For Christ did not please himself. Listen, he's saying, Follow Christ. Look at the example of the selfless, selfless Christ. Then you have 7, where he says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For I tell you that Christ became a servant, was verse 8. So you have 3, 7, and 8, where he's saying, Look at Christ. I love Christ. Not only is he my savior, he's my example. The next point: Christ is the owner. Fifteen, verse fifteen and verse sixteen. Rejoice with, I'm sorry, verse fifteen and sixteen. But on some point, I've written to you very boldly by the way of remi- by the way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, I'm not a minister of Paul. I'm not here on my own agenda. I'm not here trying to make skinny jeans look cool. I'm not here trying to make worship in a gym look cool, right? I mean, that, if, he could put it, if he could put himself right here, his thing would be, I'm not here to make contemporary music cool. I'm here because I'm owned by Jesus Christ. Can we say that? Like, I, I put myself in that position. I put myself under that banner. Can I say that I'm owned by Jesus Christ? That Christ is not only my example, but Christ is my owner, man. He bought me out of slavery. And he made me his bond servant, right? We're owned by the king of majesty. So Christ is the example to Paul. Christ is the owner of Paul. And Christ is the everything for Paul. Verse 18 says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished. He was his example. He was his owner. And he was his everything. He mentioned him 13 times just in this chapter. He was in love with Jesus. Jesus if there's anything Paul could have gotten across in that last bit of the letter when everybody's attention is maybe beginning to wane depending on maybe what the speaker dressed like or sounded like or if he was talking loud enough in the synagogue or wherever they are reading it, right? No. <laughs> Value the Word. Value the Spirit. Value unity. Cherish the glory of God and fall in love with Jesus. I love what he says in verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I should build on someone else's foundation. Paul is saying, I want, I want to go... I want to take this thing, that I, this word that I've been given, the spirit that's filled me up, this glory that I've beheld in Christ, the face of Christ Jesus, and I want to take it to the world. Man, that should be our response. Listen again, conviction in my own heart, it should be my response. What can I do with what I've heard? What can I do with what I've learned? What can I do with what, what can I do with this Jesus? Share him with the world. Get uncomfortable, right? Not just people who look like us, who talk like us, who are in the same socioeconomic status as us. No, people who are not like us, that look very different from us. What if we became uncomfortable for the glory of God, for the Word of God, and for the Spirit of God, for the sake of Jesus Christ to all nations? So let me wrap wrap this up in the next 30 minutes. Oh, that was a scared laugh from you guys. <laughs> you know, Romans 15, 1 through 21. I, I will go quick, but we're not going to miss this together. 15, 1 through 21. Remember, th- this is him. Let me just recap. This is him saying, remember the things that I've taught you and treasure them. Remember the things that have been a priority in my preaching and in my life and remember them. Romans 15, uh, 22 through 16:16. 16, 16. We're making a big jump. Hang with me. 15:22 through 16:16. 16, 16. This is really what he says. I want to summarize it for you. Ready? I cannot wait to get to you. All right. You can read that on your own. Now, I could pretty that up in preacher language, but really, that's what Paul's saying. I have this deep, deep burden in my heart. I cannot wait to get out of this place and get to Rome. I want to see you face to face. And then he jumps into 16 and seriously. He just says, everybody says hello. He says the word greet, greeting, 26 times in the next ver- few verses. Paul was just saying, hey, so-and-so said hey, and he 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 said hey. Literally, everybody was greeting that day, okay? So, 15, 1 through 21, Paul is pushing us to remember the things that he's taught and to treasure them. Romans 15, 6 through 16, 16, Paul is saying, hey, I cannot wait to get to you. And everybody and their mama says, hey, all right? Last point together. We got two more, but I was going to hide the last one. I'll just be honest. We got two. All right, Romans 16, 17. I want you to hear this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Listen to this. The tone changes again. Like he's like, hey, I can't wait to get to you. Everybody's saying hey. And then it's like he remembers. He's gripped by the Spirit to write this. But beware. Beware. There are people among you who would love to pull you apart, would love to disintegrate your Sunday school class and to, to rip apart your small group and your accountability partners. He, he'd love to wedge little bitternesses in your heart so that you, you so that you shy away and you seclude yourself. Beware of those people. They are out for their own. So what he's saying. He's saying, if you find yourself around somebody that's always spewing venom about your Sunday school teacher or your friend that sits across the road, somebody's always spewing venom about the church that they come to every Sunday, avoid them. Say, whoa, 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 we're supposed to love them. Yeah, from the upper deck. Serious, listen. If you have someone in your life, that when God is working, it always seems like they can just suck the glory of God and the joy right out of your heart. You know people like this. Listen, I'm in ministry. I get letters from people like this all the time. Just want to rob the joy from your life. Listen, he says, avoid these people. And I promise I'm going to wrap up. Jude 1, 16 through 19. They are grumblers malcontents following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the prediction of the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is those who cause division, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. There it is again. Be filled with the Spirit. I said it earlier. It helps us to discern Against false prophets, it helps us to discern against false teachers. It helps us to follow Christ selflessly. Listen to this: Paul is talking about those who would undermine the teaching of the gospel, and he's talking about those self-seekers who worship themselves on the island of selfishness. Right? If you are surrounded by people who are distorting the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and back away, avoid them. Or if you're around people who are only about self, worshiping self, worshiping what they have and what they can get, Paul says, hey, it's okay to avoid these people so they don't, they don't derail your own faith. Last point, and I'm going to wrap up and send you guys home. Thank you so much for sitting with me. Last point. The last shift in the book is Paul closing. This is what he says. I love this, man, it's so good. He mentions the Scripture. He mentions the love of his life. Jesus, right? The the one who saturated his soul with grace. His soul that was sin-sick and dark and dying. Dead. Jesus resurrected him. He has a love for him. And I want to tell you this. I want you to hear this. The last part where he says, To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Check this out. Paul ends with that phrase because he knew God was wise. He knew God controlled his destiny. And I want... I want to show you something. You know, some people, they talk a big game, right? And if that's all we heard from the rest of Paul's life, we could be like, I mean, did he really believe all that stuff? And we're talking about the guy that said, oh, I would go to hell for you if I could. Remember, we talked about that weeks and weeks ago. He loved his people so much that he said, oh, if I could go to hell for you, he had such a burden for him, I would go. He spent his life, he spent his health, he spent everything that he had. He abandoned everything for the glory of God. And you could wonder, if the story ended with him there, you could wonder, did he really mean it? Was the spirit really in him? And I just want to share with you so you know the rest of the story. Over the next three years, he would be falsely accused by some Jews. He'd be savagely beaten by a mob. He'd be arrested by Romans. He'd be declared innocent by Felix Festus and Herod Agrippa. But because of pressure from Jewish leadership, they would keep him in custody. He would appeal to Caesar. He'd make it through some insane storms. You can read about it in the book of Acts. He would make it through an insane storm, become shipwrecked. He reaches Rome, has a moment of freedom, and around 65 to 67, he's martyred for the name of Jesus Christ. He dies for this thing that he preached. So TJ, do you mean it? Paul, mean it? He's not some guy... I just wrote some book. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen to you the letter of his life. The transformation of his life. Listen, the last few years of his life put the stamp on his words. and This is real, this is true. Delivered to us from God for his glory, for our good. May we hunger and thirst after this kind of life. A self-abandoning, glory-filled, glory-loving, Jesus-chasing life. Would we this morning? Would we be bold enough to say, God, make me that kind of believer, the kind of believer when the ship is breaking apart, when everybody else says, man, there's no God, let me be the one that stands up and says, yes, there is. Would we be the one when our health is failing to say, God is still good? Would we be the one when we're having lies told on us, and even even secular people are saying, hey, man, he's free, he's good, and the church is still railing against us. Will we be the believer that stands for Christ when no one else will? The theme of this book is Jesus is worth it. The theme of Romans, the theme of the whole Bible is look at my goodness. Look what I've done for you. I took your sin. Remember, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. I took your sin and I gave you my righteousness. I'm worth it. Would we be bold enough together today just to pray that God. Nick's going to come and we're going to have a time of response. He might just play some music on the guitar and not even have any words and that's cool. I'm asking you, do you know the Word of God? Do you hunger for it? If not, ask Him for an appetite. Use this time of reflection this morning, this time of response. Use this time of response. God, give me an appetite for your Word. If you say, TJ, man, I don't know much about the Holy Spirit. I don't know how that works in my conversion and in my faith. Ask God, God, reveal yourself to me. Let me see your Spirit alive and at work in my life. If you're struggling with unity, man, if if you're holding a grudge against somebody in this room, just give the enemy a black eye today, right? Don't let him win. Don't walk out of here with that grudge. Be bold enough. Let's be grown. Believers, let's be grown. Walk across the aisle, confess it. Put it in the back of the truck and roll on for the glory of God. You hear me this morning? Like, this is real church. This is real life. And the glory of God, if you say, man, I don't think about the glory of God, I don't see the glory of God, I don't even really get what you're saying when you say, listen, would you just ask God, God, give me a glimpse of your glory. God, hide me in the cleft of the rock, if you would, like you did one of your other sons, and just let me see a piece of your glory. Let me see this morning who you really are, what you've really done. Make me the kind of believer that when the ship's breaking apart, and everything else is gone, I will trumpet that you are enough. I will trumpet that you are good. I will declare your joy and your glory is satisfying for all ages. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, we love so many other things. Chase so many other things. God, this morning I just I pray, Lord, that you would let us see your glory. And God, I realize that if we want to get technical in the Word, God, that's asking for an execution, Lord. But we, we ask this morning that you let us see a glimpse of your goodness and your power through the teaching and preaching and proclamation of the sweetest story ever told. That you came to earth, Lord, and you took our sin and you, placed it, you replaced it with your righteousness, God. God, let us value your word. Let us hold to your word. God, Lord, let us fight for unity when it's uncomfortable and awkward. God, let us fight for unity. God, let us be led by your spirit. God, let us fall in love with the glory of God that we see in the face of Jesus, our example, our comforter, our friend, our master, our owner. God, we love you and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, listen, Nick's going to do his thing for a minute, and if, if you want to come and pray at this altar. And we're we're going we're to end just a little different today. If you want to pray at the altar, that's cool. If you want to go to prayer teams on the side, there'll be some ladies and some guys. If you want to pray, that's cool. Nick's just going to pr- play for a while, and I'm going to ask you to stand. If you know the song, sing along. But today, we're not going to have an official dismissal. I know you're like, man, that's just really weird. Yeah, I don't don't care. Listen, why don't you pray for a few minutes? Why don't you ask God to do something that you know you can't do on your own? Why don't you you pick somebody that you know in your heart that needs prayer this morning? Why don't you just take a minute? Why don't we just put the world on hold, man? Could we do that? Could we just put the world on hold for a minute? Put it all on hold. Just seek God for a few minutes, and if you want to come down here, You can pray at this altar. If you need to talk to me, I'll be right over here. If you need prayer with our prayer team, you know where they are on the sides. Let's just take a few minutes. And and listen, whenever you feel released, when you want to go, just slip out the back. I love you guys.